And for those for whom I haven't had a chance to say Happy New Year to, well, Happy New Year. Uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, I've met uh, one or two people who don't normally go to church and you're here today. Wonderful uh, that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Um, can I get you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 1 on page 1163? Page 1163. Page 1163 of the Church Bibles. And if I get you also, uh, when you found that, give you a moment to find it. Page 1163. And when you found that, can I uh, ask you to open also the, uh, uh, the white bulletin, the center page. Uh, the center page of the white bulletin has an outline of where we're going. There are some blanks, uh, so if there's any pencils around, you can fill it in if you want to. Um, but I have those two things. We, uh, last week, this week, and next week, uh, we'll be preaching from the lectionary readings. Uh, after that, we're going back to our series on Mark. Uh, so if you're like me and you easily forget, uh, then may I suggest over the next couple of weeks you read through Mark 1 to 9, and then we can easily continue on uh, from where we left off last time uh, in Mark's Gospel. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. We thank you that you've been speaking to us by your Spirit through your Word as it was read earlier. We pray that you continue to do that now uh, as we consider this passage together. May your Spirit give us a vision of Jesus. May he enable us to appreciate more and more the, the wonderful blessings that you've given us in him, that we might love you more. Uh, and that we might live to the praise of your glory. Uh, help me to teach your word rightly and properly, uh, and help each of us, we pray, uh, to respond rightly to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of us want God to bless us, don't we? And that's perfectly appropriate. We seek his blessings. We want him to give us good things. Although, sometimes we do forget what He's already given us. We forget to count our blessings. And so, when life gets tough, we think of the things that we don't have, and we forget what we do have. Well, the passage that we're looking at today is a passage that reminds us of the real extravagant blessings that God has given us in Jesus Christ. These blessings that we are going to see here are so good that whatever good thing we might be looking for or whatever struggles and difficulties we bring as we enter 2016 are going to be small and temporary in comparison. And as we remind ourselves of the real extravagant blessings God has given us in Christ, they, they'll put our whole life into perspective and we'll grow to appreciate more and more how kind and generous and good God has been to us. In verse 3, Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, uh, tells us three things about these blessings that he's about to, 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 to expound to us. Firstly, we see that the blessings are spiritual. Uh, verse 3, 
says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The heavenly places or, or, or this is the, it's the unseen world of spiritual reality. Right? Our blessings are not the material blessings. We're not promised them. are not the material blessings that were promised in the land to the people of Israel under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament people of God. The blessings that we are promised are the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Because the material blessings in the land, that was the shadow, the model, the picture. Ours is the reality. And these blessings that we're about to see are far better than cash in the bank. They are real blessings that last forever. Moth and rust don't destroy them. Thieves cannot steal them. Sickness and age and death cannot rob us of them. God has given us these spiritual blessings. And the second thing I want you to notice is that these blessings come to us in Christ. In verse 3 again, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, when you and I put our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are spiritually united with Christ. We are in Christ. We are included in Him. And it's in union with Him. It's when we are in Him that we receive these blessings of the Spirit which are given by the Father. These spiritual blessings are for those who are in Christ. And the third thing I want us to notice is that in Christ we have been given every spiritual blessing. Everyone. There is no spiritual blessing that you or I lack if we are in Christ. That doesn't mean we've been given every gift of the Spirit. The Spirit gives different gifts as He wills. This is, this is far more important than spiritual gifts. It's about our spiritual status, our intimacy with God. And it says that every spiritual blessing is ours if we're in Christ. If we understand these spiritual blessings, if we grasp them, then we won't ever need to wonder if God really loves us or not, whether we've really been given the Spirit or not, whether we're really saved or not. We won't need to, to keep on chasing spiritual experiences to get reassurance that God is with us. We don't need to follow every religious fad and be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We will know that if we are really in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in Him. And all we have to do is enjoy them. So let's have a look at those spiritual blessings uh, that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Oh, the first blessing uh, that is mentioned here is what theologians call the blessing of election. The blessing of election. Now, the word election simply means choosing. Right? If, you have a, if you have an election, it's when you, you choose la, the government or you choose the committee. Right? Here, it's about a choosing. And if we are in Christ, then long before we chose God, in fact, long before we did anything, good or bad, God had already chosen us. Verse 5 talks about the fact that He predestined us. Or in verse 4, it says that He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so that is something of God's initiative. That's what God has done. And Paul tells us two things that God chose us to be. In verse 4, he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, you and I know that we are sinners, 
I know we're not holy and blameless, but in Christ we are holy and blameless. Uh, if we are united with Christ and Christ is holy and blameless, then God sees us as he sees Christ because we are one with him. We share his righteousness and he has taken away our sin. And we are holy and blameless in God's sight, fit to enter God's presence. That's what God chose us for. The second thing he chose us for uh, in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus. I once heard a story about a, a boy whose friends at school teased him about being adopted, but he said this, your parents were stuck with you. They had no choice, but my parents chose me, and I know I am loved. And the Spirit says at the end of verse 4, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's love for us. He chose to give us an intimate relationship with himself. He chose to be our father and for us to be his children. And regardless of gender, we are sons. That is the ones who receive the inheritance. And God did this at the end of verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. That's what God decided. And that is grace. In verse 6, he talks about the glorious grace that he has blessed us in Christ with, in the beloved. Grace is God, God giving us what we don't deserve. If in any shape, way, or form we had deserved this, it wouldn't be grace. But God, in his amazing grace, has chosen us to be his holy people and his precious adopted children. What an amazing blessing he has given us in Christ. Well, the second blessing that those in Christ enjoy is, is the blessing of redemption. Uh, in verse 7 and 8, it says, In Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Uh, in the ancient world, if someone was a slave, they could be freed or bought with the payment of a price. They could be redeemed. And brothers and sisters, you and I needed to be redeemed. Uh, because of our sin, we were, we were facing God's wrath. We deserved his punishment. We were under sin. But, but God redeemed us from that. He rescued us from that. And our redemption is through, what does it say? Through his blood, through the death of Jesus on our behalf. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin when he died there on the cross. We owed God the just punishment of our rebellion against Him and our treatment of each other. But that debt was cancelled, not because it's not important, but because Jesus paid for it with His own blood. And therefore we have the forgiveness of sins, the cancellation of our debt, the redemption, that rescue. In Him, verse 7 again, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. And once again, this is grace. This is God treating us far, far better than we deserve. And God wasn't stingy with His grace. In verse 8 it says, He lavished this grace upon us. It's lavish. And He does it extravagantly. In verse 8, with, with all wisdom and insight. He could see us through and through. He, he, he knows how rotten we really are. And he knows how much he would have to suffer in order to save us. And he did it anyway. What extravagant blessing. The blessing of redemption. 
Oh, the third blessing we see here is the blessing of revelation. As we begin a new year, many, many people want to look into the future, want to know what's happening, what's the plan, where are we going. Well, when it comes to the big picture, God has told us His plan. He's let us in on the secret. He has, in verse 9, made known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. He's told us. And what's the plan? Well, verse 10 continues, to unite all things in Him, that is Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. You see, Christ is already the head of His church. He's installed as the King and Lord of all, but, but His rule is still rejected. And all the effects of sin still abound in this world. But one day, Jesus will come again to judge God will bring in the new creation and wipe every tear away. Those who are in Christ will enjoy that perfect relationship with God and, and His people forever, and all rebellion will cease. Everything in heaven and on earth will be subjected to Christ. Now, the rest of this world doesn't know about God's plan. Some people are caught up in ideas they've made up for themselves what the future might hold, or, or something that some that. Other people have made up for them. Or some people think this world is meaningless. It's not really going anywhere. But friends, because we've been given the blessing of revelation, we know that history is going somewhere. We know that life, the universe, and everything is, is about Christ. And, and in the end, everything will be summed up in Him. Everything will come under Him. And so, incidentally, let's make sure that our plans and goals for 2016 are in line with God's big plan and goal for, 20, for, for, the, for, the, for history, isn't it? God's plans to bring everything under Christ. Let's make sure that, that we come under Christ and that we seek to bring our part in bringing people to Him. We've been given that, that blessing of revelation. And so we've been given the blessing of election. We've been given the blessing of redemption. We've been given the blessing of revelation. We know the future. Or have we? Are you sure? Let me just drop a little bombshell. Up to this point, most of us have assumed that when Paul is writing this, he's referring to us when he says we. But is he? Well, let's read on to verse 11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, do you see a problem there? Right? We're unhappy with the inheritance bit. Lah. Okay? In Israel of all, their inheritance was the promised land right? under the old covenant. In the new covenant, our inheritance is the new creation, the new heaven and earth. We've already talked about that predestination when we talked about elections. We're okay with that bit as well. So what is it that troubles us? Well, the thing that troubles us is verse 12, that we there. Because the we in verse 12 is clarified as what? As those who are the first to hope in Christ. Now, who were the people who were the first to hope in Christ? It's the Jews who believed in him, wasn't it? So the we that Paul is talking about here in verse 11 and in verse 12 are, 
It's not us, but the Jewish Christians. Now, if verse 11 refers to them, the Jewish Christians, then it seems likely that verse 3 and 10 refers to them as well. It's just the same we. Well, there's a problem, isn't there? Since none of us here, or most of us here, are not Jewish Christians, then what about all those blessings? Those blessings of election and redemption and revelation that we've just been talking about, are, are they really for us, Gentile Christians as well? Or are we second-class Christians? Well, look at verse 13. In him you also, that's us Gentiles, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you see that? The thing that guaranteed the Jewish Christian their inheritance is the same thing that has been given to us. So we have that same inheritance. All the blessings that the Jewish Christians had in Christ have become ours as well when we were included in Christ. And when was that? In verse 13 again. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you heard the gospel and you believed in Jesus. You believed in him. When we heard the good news that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose again, and we believed it for ourselves, God placed us in Christ. When we heard and believed, then every spiritual blessing became ours. We were included among those who are elected, redeemed, forgiven, given a place in God's kingdom and glory. As part and parcel of being in Christ, we have been given every spiritual blessing. And notice another blessing that we see here. The blessing of the Holy Spirit. For we were, in verse 13, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We were sealed. You know, back in those days, people used to brand their cattle or even their slaves had to show that they were the owners. This belongs to them. And when we, were, when we heard and believed the gospel of Jesus, we were sealed. We were marked by the Holy Spirit. God said, I put my spirit upon her to show that she is mine. She is one of my chosen people. I've given her my spirit. And so it's not just the, the Jewish Christians who are God's chosen people. We who were once far away have, have been included in the people of God. And so if you have believed the gospel, you heard that gospel, and you believed it, you're trusting in Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit, God himself living in you. And he seals you and he marks you. So God says, you are mine. This one belongs to me. And Paul elaborates on the Spirit in verse 14. He says, the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Or the deposit or down payment of our inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it. 
Right? If you want to buy something really expensive, like a house or a car, maybe you don't pay the whole thing at once. You sign a contract and you pay, or you pay a deposit, isn't it? And that deposit shows that you're, you're serious about this and the rest of the money you will pay. And later on, you pay the rest of what you owe. And the, the Spirit is a deposit. The Spirit is the first installment, the guarantee of the inheritance that is to come. Our final inheritance is to, to be with God forever in perfect relationship with Him and His people. And the Spirit gives us a little taste now of that future. He is God with us, in us, making Jesus real to us as we wait for the day when we will be with Him forever. He unites us with Christ now, even as we wait for the day when that, that glory is to be revealed. He is changing our lives now, bit by bit, that we become more like Jesus, even as we wait for that day when our sin will be gone and we will be transformed into the image of Christ and be just like Him in character. He gives us faith to believe in these, these blessings now until the day when, when faith becomes sight and, and we see the riches of these glorious blessings for what they are. The Spirit is the deposit, the first installment that guarantees what is to come. So, brothers and sisters, God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. If we have Christ, we lack nothing in our relationship with God. We are His chosen, forgiven, redeemed children. We call the Creator of the universe our Father. His Spirit lives in us. And we've been given the secrets of life and a place with Him in glory. What wonderful blessing this is. This is such amazing grace. And brothers and sisters, we are also told the purpose of all this. For the Jewish Christians, as they're at the end of verse 12, in order that they might be to the praise of His glory. For us Gentiles, the ultimate reason we're included is the end of verse 14. To the praise of His glory. Even in, back in verse 6, we were adopted to the praise of His glorious grace. You see, God has been so good and so generous and so kind to us. Yes. But in the end, we're not the center of it all. We are the beneficiaries, but we're not the center. It's not really about us. It's about God. It's about His grace and His glory. Because God's ultimate purpose is that thing that is far bigger, far better, far greater, far more noble than you or me. The praise of God's glory. It is that He'll be glorified in people like, like you and me, people who have been given so much, who know His grace, who appreciate the sacrifice He made for us, who appreciate His love, and who will therefore lovingly and willingly love and serve Him. The ultimate purpose of this extravagant blessing is the glory of God. And that is good and right and proper because God is God and He deserves all the glory. And so, brothers and sisters, we in St. Mary's want to be a people who, who glorify God in response to the grace that He has shown us in Jesus Christ. 
all our life, all our ministry, all that we do must be, must be a response to this grace. We don't want to just become activists, working hard for a cause, even a good cause. We want to be people who are so touched by the grace of God that we, that we live to the praise of His glory. And all that we do reflects that. We want to be people who live and die in the grace of God, who respond to Him more and more in love and obedience. So yes, we often ask God for blessings, and it's right to do that because we're completely dependent on Him for everything. But let's remember these blessings that He's already given us. These are the blessings that should fill our horizons. Don't be like the kid who goes to an enormous buffet lunch at the big hotel and then socks because his friend is having Maggie Me and he's not. Count our blessings and see the glory of what God has done for us in Jesus. And so as we begin 2016, we do so with thankfulness. We do so seeking to glorify God this year for these real extravagant blessings He's given us by His grace, these blessings that are ours now and will be ours for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for that amazing grace that You have shown us in Jesus. Thank you for giving us every spiritual blessing in him. Thank you for the blessing of salvation. For, for, thank you for, the, for rescuing us from, from sin and death, that redemption purchased through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for the blessing of election, for, for choosing us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before you and predestining us in love for adoption as your children. Thank you for the blessing of revelation, for letting us into your plan to, to bring everything under Christ. We thank you for the blessing of your Spirit, the, the deposit who guarantees our inheritance to come. Thank you, Father, for blessing us in such big, extravagant ways. May we be people who truly appreciate these blessings of your grace and live in response by glorifying you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.